He doesn't understand it. So he asked the question, as for me, I heard but could not understand. So I said, my Lord, what will be the outcome of these events? Now the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. So, David, so Daniel asks and God gives him a fourfold answer. He said, go your way, Daniel. For these words are concealed, closed, shut up, hidden, depending on your translation, and sealed up until the end of time. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. Today we come to the end of our study of the Book of Daniel. If you've been with us through this study, you see how neatly this Old Testament book dovetails with the revelation of the New Testament. Today, Dr. Brogy continues his look at the end times that are described in both these books through the vision of Daniel and the Apostle John. As we rejoin Pastor Carl, now in Daniel 12, verse 3, he reminds us that even though as believers in Christ we may not be formally in ministry, God expects us to have an understanding of His Word and His precepts such that we can and should lead others to Christ. There's a sense if you've been saved, God has called you to teach. Maybe not in a formal way, in an adult Bible fellowship or as a pastor of a church, but there ought to be some questions that you can answer. That every time you have a question, you don't have to run to your pastor. You can say, well, let me show you what the Bible says. Go, therefore the commission given to the whole church, and make converts, disciples of all people. What do you do with those new converts? You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you teach them all that I taught you. That's the great commission that's given to every blood-bought child of God. It's a common responsibility that we share. And God wants to remind you this morning, though he's dealing with those in the tribulation, the New Testament deals with the same truth, that if you are involved in the process of giving men and women and boys and girls insight, whether it's in a Awana class or the children in your home or someone in your neighborhood, God is going to reward you for that. And then he adds, and those who lead the many to righteousness... Like the, stars for, who, like the stars forever and ever. This is a description of those, especially during the tribulation period, because of the great cost that it will bring to share your faith, as even in our day, the cost is getting greater. But nonetheless, those who lead or introduce people to Christ, those who teach, those who win people, are compared to the expanse, the brightness of the sky, and to the stars that are in the heaven above. They will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. And those who lead the many to righteousness, those who point Jesus, people to Yeshua, to Jesus, like the stars forever and ever. It's a picture of reward. Listen, heaven is wonderful for everyone who goes. But it's not the same for everyone who goes. There are some Christians who have their whole reward burned up in smoke. You're not saved by works, you're saved by grace, but you are rewarded for your service. And so one of the crowns that God speaks of in the New Testament is the crown of rejoicing, or sometimes we call it the soul winner's crown. Is that crown, that reward that God gives to the faithful believer who points people to the Savior. You can do it. This week, if you invite someone to church, they end up coming like the woman in the first service. Someone invited her and she got saved because of it. Someone's going to be rewarded in heaven for that. You can invite someone to the musical next week. You could take someone through the plan of salvation this week. And some of you need to go to a higher level than just come and see, but go and win. You need to go and share the plan of salvation. And so he speaks here of these who are rewarded. And some will have greater reward. Proverbs says, he was wise 
win souls. You know, when I have a major decision I want to make, and I'm looking for a wise person, among other things, I want to know if they're a soul winner. Because if they're not a soul winner, and they don't have a burden to win people to Jesus, they're not a spirit-filled Christian, and I don't want to get advice from them. So he's speaking here, those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. And then he adds in verse 4, but it's for you, Daniel. Conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. Daniel is told to conceal these words and to seal up this book. These words have primary application to those living at the end of time. So he wrote it down so all can read it, and 25 years later, we are reading it. Now, I must say parenthetically that verse 4 is often misinterpreted in a number of ways. God says here, through Michael the archangel, many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. And some would say, well, the phrase, many will go back and forth, that speaks of increased travel. You know, what we see in our day, that Daniel rode on a horse, and we fly in an airplane that uh, we uh, travel at the speed of sound and we communicate at the speed of light. Oh, that makes for colorful preaching. And then they add, um, and knowledge will increase. They would say, well, now we have knowledge at our fingertips. This is the internet. This is modern technology. Now, I could ride that horse, but I won't. It would make for colorful preaching, but it's just not what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture must interpret the Scripture. And so the chronicler in a number of passages use the phrase, to move to and fro, to go back and forth of someone who's searching. For instance, 2 Chronicles 16, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro, identical phrase. To and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Jeremiah uses the same Hebrew words. He's, he, there he commands Rome to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and look now and take note and seek in her open gates. If you can find a man, if there is one who does justice, who seeks truth. Amos the prophet, identical phrase. People will stagger from sea to sea and from the north even to the east and they will go to and fro and they will seek the word of God, but they won't find it. Zechariah, these are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the earth. In each of these above cases that I just read, the Hebrew word shoot is translated and it describes someone who is looking, who is searching. And so the knowledge that they will desperately go back and forth for is going to be found here in the Word of God. Listen, when this awful time comes in human history, when the worst time the world has ever known comes in human history, many will turn to the Word of God. They will go back and forth at the end of time and they will realize that everything that Daniel said about Messiah, even identifying him in Daniel 9 to be Yeshua, by the time frame, Jesus, they will come to a real knowledge of the truth. Now, quickly, as we finish, the tribulation that is unleashed, the tombs that are unsealed, finally, the times that will be understood, the times that will be understood. Two questions come and their answers that bring us to the conclusion of the book. First, in verses 5 through 7, we find the angel's question and reply. Look, if you will, now at verse Five. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others were standing, one on this bank of the river and the other on the other bank of that river. Now, remember the prologue, chapter 10. I told you this is a unit, 10, 11, and 12, where we find Daniel on the bank of the Tigris River. And so here in verse 5, he tells us of two angelic beings 
who appear as men, as angels often do, and only as men, never as women in the Bible. And they're on each side of the river. But now beginning in verse 6, we find a third angel who's distinctly different. Listen to verse 6. And one said, one of the angels on the bank, to the man dressed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be until the end of these wonders? By the way, the fact that an angel asks a question reminds me that angels aren't omniscient, as many pagans are writing, like they have insight and knowledge, uh, like God does. They're not. They're finite created people, uh, per persons, but angelic persons. Now, who is this one above the waters? We've already met him. If you were here in Daniel, uh, in Daniel 10, you might want to put out next to this verse, Daniel 10, 5 and 6 in the margin. Daniel 10, 5 and 6. Remember, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of euphaz. His body was also like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze. Who is this? None other than the angel of the Lord. And he is described in the exact same way as the Lord Jesus in Revelation 1. Now remember, in the Old Testament, there is a special angel. He's called not just an angel, but the angel of the Lord. And he's called God in the Old Testament. So there were times in the Old Testament where God himself came as an angel. And of course, when you study those passages and you see that this angel is called Yahweh, Jehovah, you want to ask, well, what member of the Trinity is he? And we did a whole study on this. It's in the series. You can go back and listen to it. And we learned that it was the second person of the Godhead. That before Jesus came at Christmas... Before he incarnated himself in human flesh, at times he would appear as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. And that's who we are meeting here. And the same description of, is given of the Lord Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. And so this is no ordinary angel. It's the Lord answering. He gives him the answer. Verse 7, I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river as he raised his right hand and his left hand towards heaven and swore by him who lives forever, that he would, that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. And as soon as they finish shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. That's the answer to the question. It will last for time, times, and half a time. Now, if you were here in Daniel 7, we saw the identical phrase. We saw the word time was a single unit, times a dual, referring to two, and half a time. So he's talking about three and a half. Three and a half what? Three and a half years, to be specific, as he uses it in Daniel chapter 9. And so there's coming a time, a seven-year period, divided into two three-and-a-half-year periods, also called 1,260 days, 1,260 days, 42 months, 42 months, same time frame. And in this last time, remember, the first, it's all called the tribulation. First half is bad. But when you see the abomination of desolation, when Satan is cast down to the earth, then great tribulation will come on the earth like the world has never seen it. And when that final time, times, and half a time, three and a half years are complete, then it's all going to be completed. That's what he wants him to know. But now there's Daniel's question. Daniel's question and reply. Daniel's question. Although Daniel heard the conversation going on between the angel on the bank and the angel above the river, he doesn't understand it. So he asked the question, as for me, I heard but could not understand. So I said, my Lord, 
What will be the outcome of these events? Now, the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask, so, David, so Daniel asks. And God gives him a fourfold answer. He said, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed, closed, shut up, hidden, depending on your translation, and sealed up until the end of time. So first, the Lord tells him that as much as he'd like to know all these truths, it won't be until the end of time when Israel is oppressed that he'll be able to understand these things. These truths are concealed and sealed up, he says, until the end of time. When Daniel's people, during the tribulation period, see the events that he has already spoken of that are so plain happen, then they're going to go and search. Their eyes will go to and fro. They'll gain knowledge from the Scripture, and they're going to realize all that God had said about the Messiah, and they'll believe on him whom they have pierced. Many, the Scripture says, verse 10, will be purged, purified, and refined. Now remember, Michael is talking about your people, the Jewish people. When the horrors of the tribulation unfold, as Paul teaches in Romans 11, they are going to believe all Israel will be saved. God is going to use this time for two groups of people. We've already studied how God will use it for the Jewish people. Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. Messiah is speaking. I will go away and return to my place. That's what Jesus did. He left to heaven. I will go away and return to my place until, until, until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face in their affliction, in their distress, they will earnestly seek me. And so the Bible teaches during the time of Jacob's trouble, as we already read from also from Deuteronomy, Moses' statement, the Jewish people are going to believe that Jesus is Lord. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing that is going to happen. But John teaches not just Jewish people. Listen to this, Revelation 7. After these things, I looked and behold, in a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all the tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the Lord and before the Lamb. Someone said, who are these people? And John says, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The Jews are going to be saved and those Gentiles who have never heard the gospel before in clarity and in power, are going to be saved. It won't mean anybody here or anybody in the sound of my voice because you've heard the gospel. But there will be people from every tongue, 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 tribe, and nation. The gospel will go through the whole world. All these unreached people who have never been reached. Everyone is going to hear the gospel. The vast majority will spurn the living God. But John sees a multitude who comes out of the tribulation who believe in Jesus as Lord. Look, unbelievers, today, if the rapture takes place, it's too late for you, my friend, because the Bible says you will experience a deluding influence because you took joy in sin, you will believe what's false. And so verse 10 says, but the wicked will act wickedly, and none of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. Look, the same sun that melts the butter hardens the clay. The wicked will act more wickedly. Listen to what John said describing these unbelievers during the tribulation. And the fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it, to this angel, to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give God glory. That's what Daniel's saying. The wicked will become more wicked. Now, notice verse 11, the third part to the Lord's answer. 
from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, we've studied this, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335th day. What does this talk about? Well, here's a chart to help you a little bit. Remember, the tribulation, two even periods, 1,260 days each. At the end of the tribulation period, he speaks of another 30 days, making for 1,290 days. We've studied the calendar that God gives in the Bible. It's based not just on the sun like our calendar, but the sun and the moon. And so we base our calendar on the sun, and we have a leap day every four years. The Jewish calendar, in the wisdom of God, it's much more precise. It's based on the sun and the moon. And they don't have a leap day, they have a leap month. This intercalary month. And so we saw the biblical month being 30 days. And, you know, if you only have 30 days in a month, after so many months, it piles up and you're behind schedule. You don't want to have the harvest in February. You know, things get mixed up. And so they have a way of adding a leap month, so to speak. And God did it that way for a reason, we saw, to underscore prophecy and its preciseness. It's a prophetic calendar. So there's this inner additional month of 30 days, and then there's another 45 days adding up to 1,335 days, and then the thousand-year reign of Christ. So what are these 30-day and this 45-day period referring to? Well, I don't know from this text of Scripture, but other Scriptures inform me. For instance, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, but immediately after the tribulation, after the end of this second half, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, the powers of the heaven will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will come. Look, if the second coming of Jesus, which is what's spoken of in Matthew 24, happens right at the end of the 1260 days, you could calculate, you could say, this is the day Jesus is coming back. But Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. So after the second half of the tribulation is over, there's another month, and during that month, Yeshua comes. No man knows the exact day of the hour, but God's people will be alert to what is actually happening during that time. You say, what's the extra 45 days for? Well, I don't know all that it's for, but I do know, among other things, that during this whole segment of time, that the land of Israel is going to be, need to be cleansed because of the millions of dead people in the land because of the battle of Armageddon. I know that during that time, God is going to reward his people for their faithfulness. I know that during that time in the valley of Jehoshaphat, also called the Kidron Valley, a judgment will take place where God will separate the sheep from the goats. So there's a lot that is going to happen, but I don't know all that's going to happen because God tells me it's concealed here into the end of time. But he does say, verse 12, how blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1335th day. By the 1335th day, the only people who will be left on the earth are believers. And they will enter into God's kingdom. And so God closes the book. Look at verse 13. But as for you, as for you, Daniel, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion until the end of the age. God is saying, carry on your business. You're going to enter into the realm of death. But at the end of the age, your body will rise again and you're going to be rewarded. Now on one end of the spectrum... 
there are Christians today who waste their time and they're investing in absolutely nothing. And they come just because it's convenient. And if it's inconvenient, they're not even here on the Lord's Day. You know, churches all across America are canceling Sunday services because it falls in Christmas. And their reason is, well, we need to be with our families. Well, let's make the family a God. Let's violate one of the Ten Commandments and blow off the Lord's Day. That's a wicked thing. That's the lukewarmness of our day. It is still the Lord's Day Sunday, and I don't care what day Christmas. I love it when Christmas falls on a Sunday. Then we see who the real people are who are earnest. As for you, go your way to the end. Then you enter rest and rise again for your allotted portion. So on the one end, you have some people who are wasting their life. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Christians who are so consumed with prophecy and they've got their charts and everything else, but it's not changing their lives. Take this information. Do something with it, Daniel. And so the book of Daniel ends. By God's grace, we've finished another book. Now let me say this by way of application. There are many truths I learn from this book. You know, and as I've studied Daniel, no man could have figured this out. This book is so absolutely amazing and it interfaces with so many other books of the Bible. Only God could have written this book because behind every single human author, there's one divine author. But there are many lessons I learned. First, I am going, I, first of all, as I study this prophet, if I'm going to live my life well to the end, as God tells Daniel to do, then I must look inwardly and keep my life pure and clean. Listen, we're living in days of lukewarmness. We're living in days, I spoke to a lady yesterday who told me she was born again, I, I hope she is. But she told me, I'm not coming back, why not? She said, because I heard a sermon recently where you spoke against homosexual people as being sinful. I said, I did. Guilty as charged. She said, well, I have a lot of homosexual friends. I said, that's wonderful. If you're a Christian, you should befriend all people. Anyone is welcome to this church. She said, but you're judging them by saying it's wrong. Am I? I said, if someone broke into your home tonight and murdered your husband, would that be wrong? She said, of course. You're judging me. What if I did that? You're judging me. I said, the reason you know that's wrong is because God has made a judgment. He's already said that's wrong. And I read to her 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Do not be deceived, neither the unrighteous, not fornicators, not idolaters, nor the effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor revilers, shall inherit the kingdom of God, period. The next verse says, and such were some of you. If the, if the truth were known out of our 2,000 plus members at CBC, there's a few dozen former gay people. And I thank God for each one that God has rescued and saved. God has made a judgment. But we live in a day of lukewarmness and apathy and compromise. Look, when Jesus comes and you step into his holy presence, you're going to realize you were bought with a price. And that the only thing worthy of this life is to live for him. 
look inwardly. Secondly, I am motivated as never before to look outwardly, to warn men and women and boys and girls to turn to Jesus Christ. Look, if we are wise, we will win souls. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Implication, if you're not fishing for men, you're not following Christ. We're living in a day where we are drowning in a sea of information, where we are sinking in a swamp of sin. And yet we have the truth. And the reason America is going down the tubes has nothing to do with the government. And it has everything to do with the body of Christ who is lukewarm, who is compromised, who are so entertained with the world, they no longer reach out to lost people. Look, there's only three problems in this world, sin, sorrow, and death. And we have the answers. And we would be wise to speak about it. Now, Holy Father, I thank you that you gave me the grace to be able to teach another book from your word. But we certainly don't want to be those who just hear the word. We want to be those who will respond to it. I pray today for someone who's listening in the sound of my voice, who's not really sure about heaven. They'd like to go, but they really don't know. Thank you for your promise. And thank you that you can never lie, that you keep all your promises, that whoever, anyone, whoever will call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Thank you, you can make that promise because of the payment he made in our stead there on Golgotha as he died and bled for us and proved his ability when you raised him from the dead. Help someone in simple childlike faith to believe your promise to say, Lord Jesus, save me. But Father, we know as we're going to study in the Revelation and as other passages reveal that the church, the true believers at the end of time will be lukewarm. Father, I can't control other people, but I know I can control my heart. And if we don't see revival in America, let us see revival in South Carolina. And if we don't see revival in South Carolina, let us at least see revival in this church. And Father, if we can't see revival in this church, May we see revival in our individual hearts. We know only people in your word will last forever. Everything we own, you said someday will be burned. Thank you that you've given us all things to enjoy, but help us not to be captivated by things. Help us to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Help us, even in this season of Christmas, to make a difference in the lives of people. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, we've made it through the book of Daniel, a challenging book of the Old Testament. And if you're like me, you sometimes have to listen to a message a couple of times to fully digest all there is to learn. That's why we've made all of the messages of the book of Daniel available simply by using the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or by visiting our website, searchthescriptures.org. You can also order the entire set of the book of Daniel by calling 877-787-7478. 
and request the series DAN100. To order today's message entitled God's Final Forecast, just ask for program DAN19. You can also order these or any of our resources online at searchthescriptures.org. Tomorrow, Dr. Brugge's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll begin a look at the Revelation. Join us then as we search the Scriptures. <music>